the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Learning the Secret of Being Content. Learning the Secret of Being Content. Which is taken mainly from Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Discontentment has been one of Satan's best weapons against humanity. His earliest triumph came in the Garden of Eden when he sowed seeds of discontentment in Eve's unsuspecting heart. When Eve ate the fruit and gave it to her husband, Adam to eat, sin entered the human bloodstream. The seed of discontentment brought forth the bitter harvest of disobedience, which led to the loss of paradise and the entrance of evil into the world. And ever since then, we have been an unhappy race. After Eden, we have never been fully satisfied with anything on the earth. And we are still not satisfied thousands of years later. We always want something different. Is if we are young, we want to be older. If we are old, we wish we would be younger. If it's old, we want something new. If it's new, we want something newer. If it's small, we want something bigger. If it's big, we want something really big. If you have $100, you want $200. If you have $200, you want $500. Is if we have an apartment, we want a condo. If we have a condo, we want a house. If we have a house, we want a bigger house, or a new house, or a nicer one. If we have a job, we dream of a better job, a bigger job, a closer job, a better boss, better benefits, 
more challenge, better opportunity, and nicer people to work for, and of course, more vacation time. You see, if, you're, if we are single, we dream of being married. And if you're married, well, you finish that sentence for yourself. <laughs> See, none of this is unusual in any way. We were born discontented, and some of us stay that way the rest of our lives. Discontentment is the cancer of the soul. It eats away at our joy, corrodes our happiness, destroys our outlook on life, and produces a terminal jaundice of the soul so that everything looks negative to us. The indisputable fact is that we live in a world of discontented people, Watch television, listen to talk radio, listen to political speeches, and watch the political ads, and even follow the tweets, and you will agree that we live in a society of discontented people. You may be saved and have much in this world and still not be content. I read a story of a Quaker who once offered to give a piece of land to the most contented person in the village. Someone came to him to collect his prize as the most contented person, and the Quaker said to him, If thou be content, then why dost thou want my lot of land? You see, discontent is something that affects us all. Rather than living lives of grateful contentment, we live lives that are often filled with complaining. We complain when children are noisy, instead of being thankful that they are healthy, happy, and in their right mind. We complain about a home when thousands have none, we gripe about work when many have no job. Why? Because we have never learned the secret of contentment. How would you respond to any of the following real-life situations? You find yourself suddenly unemployed. Your house is burglarized. Your house or apartment burns down and you lose everything in it. You are arrested and jailed for something you did not do. You are diagnosed with incurable terminal disease. Could you still be content in these situations? The Apostle Paul could. And consider all the things that happened to Paul, which he enumerates for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 27. He said five times, I was given the 39 lashes by the Jews. Three times I was whipped by the Romans, and once I was stoned. I have been in three shipwrecks, and once I spent 24 hours in the water. 
In my many travels, I have been in danger from floods and from robbers, in danger from fellow Jews and from Gentiles. There have been dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilds, dangers on the high seas, and dangers from false friends. There has been work and toil. Often I have gone without sleep. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have often been without enough food, shelter, or clothing. See, what would your reaction be to these things that Paul is mentioning that he had suffered? Could you be content in these situations? I'm not asking if you would like any of it, but could you be content? Have you realized a level of Christian maturity in which you can remain completely in control of yourself regardless of the circumstances? Listen to what Paul says in our text, Philippians chapter 4, 13, and 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, remember that Paul is writing from prison in Rome. He's getting old. He doesn't have any money. His health is beginning to decline. He knows he could be executed by Caesar at any time. And yet he says, I've learned the secret of being content in whatever situation I'm in. So there are two major points that I want us to consider uh, today. And the first is what I'd call the enemies of contentment. Because we need to know what those are. And the first enemy of contentment is unrealistic expectations. So many of you listening to me have parents or grandparents who grew up dirt poor. When they got married and had children, they didn't want them to be as deprived as they were. So they worked hard to get what they had working sometimes two and three jobs, whatever they could find in order to better their families. But today it seems that when young people get married or when they start working, they want everything right now that it took their parents years to accumulate. The level of expectation has changed and many people today just expect everything to be theirs from day one. Sometimes people get married and they discover that their spouse is not perfect. They go to work and discover that their boss is not perfect and that the job is not what they expected it to be. Their friends aren't always perfect either. Perhaps some of them become Christians thinking that Christians are perfect and that they would be perfect to 
once they become Christians. But they find that that is not the case. They are still attacked by temptations and they still sin. So there's disappointment and lack of contentment simply because of unrealistic expectations. Sometimes people join the church expecting to find love, acceptance, and support from every member. Instead, they find selfishness, jealousy, lack of love and support, and they become disappointed and discouraged. You see, as long as we have unrealistic expectations, we cannot be content. And it happens in different areas of our life that our, uh, our um, expectations are not realistic. We don't seem to understand the nature of life here on this planet. But the second enemy of contentment is unfair comparisons. Unfair comparisons. Now when you look around and compare yourself to others, you are sure to find someone else more beautiful or more handsome than you are. Someone more gifted and talented than you are. Someone younger and stronger and can do so much more than you can do. And you will always be discontented when you compare yourself to them. This is one of the most interesting things about the Apostle Paul is that you never see him comparing himself to others. Tradition tells us that Paul was short, and if um, Paul had compared himself to Simon Peter, whom tradition uh, says was um, big and tall, then he would have felt inferior. But tradition also tells us that Paul had uh, stooped shoulders, and maybe he was quite homey. And so he had gone if he had gone around comparing himself to others, he would have had a tremendous inferiority complex. But he did not make unfair comparisons. And we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. Because the Jones are doing certain things, we have to try to not only be like the Jones, but to top what they are doing. And that creates a great deal of discontentment when we are comparing ourselves to others because there will always be people who are better than you are and can do more than you can. But the third enemy of contentment is unnoticed blessings. Unnoticed blessings. You see, we live in the most affluent nation in the world. We have more possessions, more freedoms, more opportunities than almost anyone else. And yet overall, we are among the most unhappy people in the face of the, on the face of the earth. And our suicide and homicide rates are extremely high, higher than most other countries in the world. The problem, I think, is that we usually don't consider our blessings. We take too much for granted. Example is air conditioning, a necessity or a luxury after what we had experienced last week and um, what will probably be coming the rest of the summer. We have to say that is a necessity. But uh, think about it that 50 years ago, most people didn't have 
uh, air conditioning. You see, air conditioning is one of those things that many of us just take for granted. But what about an automobile? Is it luxury or necessity? What about television? Well, we need several. We need a big screen. We need a flat panel. We need um, color, uh, surround um, sound. And, of course, attached to that is a VCR, the CD player, and all of, the, all of those things. And yet Paul writes about himself and the early Christians in First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8. That's not on your outline. He says, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Today we have a lot more than food and clothing, and many still aren't content. We just ignore the many blessings that God has given to us. But the fourth enemy of contentment is uncontrolled or selfish ambition. Uncontrolled or selfish ambition. Now the Bible does not condemn ambition. It encourages us to be ambitious and to strive for excellence. But when ambition is uncontrolled or when it simply fuels our ego, it becomes evil. Listen to James in James chapter 3 and verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. And in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Amen. This is the Bible never says, be satisfied with who you are. But it says, be satisfied with be. But it says, be satisfied um, with um, what you have. So we are to be ambitious, but ambition for the right things. And so we have to be very careful how we look at life. You can spend a whole lot of your life um, being dissatisfied, being uh, discontented, because you don't understand uh, what life is all about and what God has placed you here uh, to be and to do. So we have looked at the enemies of contentment, unrealistic expectations, unfair comparisons, unnoticed blessings, uncontrolled or selfish ambition. And now we are going to be looking at the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. It's the good news for us today is that the Apostle Paul shares with us the true secret of contentment. Here is the secret that he gives to us in Philippians chapter 4, 12 and 13 from the Good News Bible we're reading. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learned this secret so that anywhere at any time, I am content whether I have too much or too little. 
I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. The secret of contentment is that contentment has nothing to do with our self-sufficiency and everything to do with Christ's sufficiency. That's why Paul could say that he can do all things through Christ who gives him the strength. You see, the secret of contentment isn't being self-sufficient, but being Christ-sufficient. You see, we have a Christ, we have a Savior, we have a strength giver who gives weak people like you and me the strength that we need to navigate whatever circumstances come our way. The secret is that though our circumstances change, our Christ does not change. The secret is that though we are weak, our Christ is strong. The secret of contentment is the secret of the whole Christian life. The whole Christian life is a movement from self-sufficiency to Christ's sufficiency. When you become a Christian, what happens is you recognize your insufficiency. You recognize that you don't have it all together, that you are discontent and weak. You recognize that you are a broken sinner who needs a savior to atone for your sins, to put you back together, to meet your craving for contentment. That's how you began the Christian life, and that's how you continue the Christian life. So how do you find contentment? What are some of the secrets of contentment? Let me mention just two practical uh, secrets. There are certainly several uh, others that we, I could mention, but time would not allow me because I have just a limited amount of time, uh, especially since this, um, this uh, message is being recorded for the radio program. All the way through Philippians, Paul talks about attitude. So we are the second, though the first thing about um, the first secret is that have an attitude of gratitude, and Paul speaks about it throughout Philippians. You see, if you have an attitude that causes you to be grateful for everything God has given you, then you will find contentment. True gratitude is more than the expression of mere words. It is the disposition of the heart. When you spend time thanking God for all that he has done for you, you won't have time to complain. And you're complaining because you are not appreciative of all that God has done for you. And there's so much for which we should give thanks. You see, if you have a family that loves you, if you have friends who care, if you have sufficient food to eat, if you have decent clothing to wear, if you have a job to go to, if you're able to sleep at night, if God has forgiven your sins, if God has ever delivered you from danger, if God has ever healed you, if God has ever answered your prayers, if God has ever given you comfort, and if God has ever blessed you in any other way, you ought to give him thanks every day of your life. 
And I would suggest that you begin each day by saying, God, thank you for the new day that you have given me. Thank you for the opportunity that are before me. Help me today to be able to do something that will last for eternity. Use this day, Father, to your glory. And use me to be a blessing to someone else today. You see, you can't pray a prayer like that and not feel the very presence of the living Christ with you. And Paul, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, put a one there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you are taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Amen. Amen. The second secret of contentment is love people, not things. Love people, not things. In Philippians chapter 4. Verses um, 10 and 11, Paul says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. In verses 14 and following, Paul thanks the Philippians, Philippian Christians, for being so concerned about him. Not just for, he's thanking them, not just for the money that they sent him, but uh, for the fact that they really cared about him. You see, he was in prison. He was in need. He was sick. And so they wrote him and they sent people to comfort him and to help him. And he said, that means so much to me. Have you ever been at a point in your life when you desperately needed someone to reach out to you? I'm sure we all have been. You see, if you have someone who cares about you, someone who really loves you, someone who prays for you, someone who encourages you, then treasure that relationship. It's far more precious than any other achievement you'll ever make. Paul says there are two secrets of contentment. Develop an attitude of gratitude and love people, not things. So the question that I must ask before closing is, are you content with your life today? If you are not then the secret of contentment is putting Christ first in your life and accepting him as your Lord and as your Savior. Jesus has what everybody needs. You see, if you have a problem, he has a solution. If you have a question, he has the answer. If you have a disease, he has a cure. If you have a crisis, he has the needed miracle. 
Whatever you need, Jesus has it. If you need assurance, if you need inspiration, if you need courage, if you need comfort, if you need joy, if you need peace, if you need rest, if you need a blessing, Jesus has it. This is Jesus can not only do what we need, but he is what we need. This is we need a savior to save us from our sin. We need a divine physician to heal us of our illnesses. We need a refuge in which we can hide during the storms of life. So we need an ever-present help in our times of desperation. We need a way through the wilderness of this world. We need a light to guide and to direct our footsteps. And we need a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. See, all this Jesus is. There is just nobody like him. And you cannot go wrong by placing your trust in him. And so trust him. And he will be there for you no matter what happens. You can depend on him when you can't depend on others. So may Jesus be praised even as you give to him your commitment and your life today. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.